0: This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today. And we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hey, everybody, guess what? The creative writing community is now open for membership. I'm so excited about this community because it is going to be dedicated to writers, writing their book, publishing their book, and launching their book, all while having a good time and growing in their craft. Writing is typically an all alone art, but you don't have to be a lone wolf and do everything yourself. In fact, I highly recommend that you don't just for your own sanity. In the creative writing community, we're going to have live writing sprints, author hangouts, expert Q and A's. We're gonna learn all about the things that it takes to be an author these days and generally support each other in the craft. It will be a place where you can share your knowledge and learn from others and find collaboration and accountability with people who are serious about growing as writers. We're going to support each other, encourage each other, challenge each other, and be generally as committed to seeing each other succeed as we are to our own success. If you're interested in being part of such a group, head on over to catcaldwell.com and just click the pink button right at the header. Hey everyone, welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. Today we are on episode 87 and I have a really lovely guest for you. We are going to talk... Art with glass. Yes, Emma is an expert glassmaker, a glass artist. And I wanted to talk to her because I just find that so different from a lot of the different arts that we do. A, because where do you even come up with that material? I mean, she has great stories about how she started, um, which then made it sound really obvious. But I had that question in my head, which, you know. I like to have questions that the answers are so obvious I should have thought of it in the first place. So definitely stick around and listen to Emma talk about where she started from, where she ended up, and where she's going. But my question to you, which came up between Emma and I as we were talking, is what are you doing to help out your fellow artist? Emma's not just a glass maker and a glass artist. She also saw a need during COVID-19 of other artists who had relied on sort of face-to-face markets, craft markets, uh, craft fairs, art fairs, and selling their items face-to-face. And they didn't know what to do once everything shut down. And she saw this need that they had that she could fill because as a little bit of an introvert and a single mom with two boys, she had not done as many face-to-face markets and fairs. She had turned to Facebook. Now from Facebook, from their events, she had learned over the years how to utilize that and get people kind of right in her own living room to show them her art and to sell them her art. And she has many many ways of doing this and lots of advice to give us on thinking about using Facebook events or another social media that has sort of the live video and, you know, the calendar thing that you can do to set it up. She gives us lots of advice on how to use it. And I think that it was a really great idea. Now, it's not to say that other people haven't done it. She admits lots of artists do this, lots of businesses do this. But she saw within her community, the Facebook groups that she was in, a lot of despair and realized that while a lot of artists do it, a lot of artists didn't do it. And they didn't do it because they were either afraid to or didn't know how to or weren't really sure how to get started. And so she set up some classes and courses to show them how she did it. And it has opened up a whole new income revenue for her. And it's a great thing to do to help out her fellow artists. And she says most of the people that she's teaching are glass artists as well, which helps her collaborate with artists who are in her field. And you know me, I am all about collaboration. I think that artists need to collaborate more with each other. I think that we would be more successful if we would collaborate more with each other, share our tips, share our secrets, help each other out, lift each other up. I think the more successful we are as artists, the more that society might start changing their minds on how much we are needed and how much we should be encouraged to do what we're created to do. Maybe it will encourage us as parents to encourage our children when we see them going down the path of artistry To not go get a different job that pays more, but realize, okay, artistry can pay and it can support them. In fact, it supports all these other people. And so I'm going to encourage my child to pursue the thing that they're created to do. That's what I believe. And I think that if we really determine to look around us and to see if there's a need that we can fill, you know, Emma didn't do this at first to make money. She did free little 90-minute classes, um, webinar things, and had people come in and just tried to share with them what she was doing. And it was little by little when people asked for more that she realized, okay, I'm going to put more time into this. And they were happy to pay her to learn something. So it really came from the heart of, I'm going to try to tell you what I know. And then little by little, it grew into a full course. So I encourage you to look around, look around your artistry groups and see what need needs to be filled. And don't do it out of thinking, maybe I can get money out of my fellow artists, but how can I help you? How can I lift another artist up? It might turn into a whole course or a coaching thing, or you know, it might become another revenue stream for you, but it might not. But in the end, even if it doesn't become another revenue stream, I think that you're going to receive probably more than you give. You're going to find people to collaborate with. You might learn a new thing. You might see things in a different way just by talking to them and hanging out a little bit with them. So I really encourage you, look around and see what need there is. See if you can fill it. And just as Emma and I reiterate kind of at the end of the interview, a lot of times we think that what we know, everyone knows, because to us it seems so simple because that's what we chose to do. But the truth is, people don't know everything that you know. You actually do probably know a few things that nobody else really understands or really knows too much about but that if you taught them, it could help them out. And in exchange, that person might have a skill or knowledge that you could use that you don't really know much about. I really encourage you to do this, to start opening your eyes and looking around and see where you can help out, what hole you can fill with your knowledge, with your goodness of heart. But with that said, let's get into the interview and hear more about Emma's glassmaking skills and her course, which actually today is Memorial Day. One of them starts tomorrow. So if you want to get in on it, click the links in the show notes to go to her Facebook page and find out more about them. Let's get into the interview. Hello, Emma. Today I have Emma Kirkman with me. We're going to talk about glassmaking, which is... Fascinating to me. It's so different from everything. Hello, Emma. How are you doing? Hello, lovely. I'm very well. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me and
1: um my best mate Reggie here to join you.
0: <laughs> Reggie's so cute. He has like the fluffiest, curliest ears. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, we're talking about a dog, okay, everyone. <laughs> we're talking about my dog. Yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from and how did you get into Creative arts.
1: Okay, so um, as you said, I'm Emma Kirkham. I've been creating glass since around 1992. It all started off after rather a few bottles of wine. <laughs> like most of the stories, they start after a few yes. bottles of wine. Um, so, being a student, um, we you know we had a few bottles of wine. It would be a party. Um, you know we play spin the bottle I don't know if you know spin the bottle over there but you know you get the bottle out spin it round and, have a dares and things like that and the bottles were piling up and back in the day um there was a real big push um on recycling especially mm-hmm. at the art college and how you could use recycling within your artwork and so I saw all these bottles and thought well must be something I can do with these so I took a lot of the bottles away and um, I was in the ceramic department I was really interested in you know working with Plaster of Paris creating moulds and I was also making small items because the intention was I was going to go and do a silversmithing course at Birmingham Jewellery Quarter in the UK it's well-renowned area for um, silversmithing and jewellery and I was originally going to do that but at the time, I was creating these small items, so I'd made some plaster of Paris moulds. I thought, I know what, I can just smash these bottles up and pop them into this mould, bung them in the kiln, whack the temperature up, and I'm sure something nice will come out of it. So there I was, you know, telling the <laughs> the um, sort of ceramic, ceramic department, you know, don't touch that kiln, you know, because I've got something really good in there. And, you know, I just don't, don't mess with anything. I'll be back to it basically I didn't want them to know what I've been doing because nobody else in the college had done anything like that so far so so, um I I just whacked it up because back then you know we didn't have Google to say what temperature do you melt glass at or anything like that you know we had to go and find like real books and things like that and it's like I didn't want to go to the library because that's where all the nerds hang out that was my impression (laughs) back then you know all the nerds went to the library and I was too cool for the library so I just kind of Whacked up the temperature and I thought yeah, it'd be all right, you know, just whack it up. So, anyway, I got the molds out um, a couple of days later because I had worked out that, you know, I couldn't just get it really hot and get it really cold again. I knew that much that, you know, glass had to be heated up slowly and it had to cool slowly. And I got these molds out and I remember breaking these molds off. Oh my, I can't believe what I've created. And I went running off. And um, to my lecturer, said, you know, look what I've done, look what I've done. It's like I've invented the wheel. He's like, oh, brilliant. That's, um, that's cast glass, that is. I'm not like, pardon? He said, you've you've done some kiln glass there. I was like, I've oh, been done before. Oh. Anyway, that was my start of, um, you know, sort of working with glass. And I was super excited. And it was at that point I decided, well, actually, I wasn't going to take the place doing silksmithing. I was actually going to go and do a degree course. Where you could look at ceramics, but more importantly, there were different areas of glass you could look at. So, when I went to um, university, I tried stained glass, but I didn't really like where they blackened everything up because you just got all black and my face was black and I didn't like that. I looked at kiln glass again. Um, I did a, a small area of kiln glass, but then I found the blowing studio. And if you've seen glass blowing, you'll know how super cool that is or super hot. And I absolutely fell in love with glass blowing. And so I spent the rest of my time at university learning how to glass blow proficiently and left uni with qualifications in 3D design, which meant basically I could just (laughs) design something. (laughs) It really meant nothing. But, you know, to me, I got a degree and that was fantastic. But I specialised in hot glass and in particular the, the blown area. And I carried on from there, really doing the glass. Oh, that's so cool! I did think I invented the wheel, though.
0: Well, we all do when we're young, you know. We want to, we think we, because you know it's best not to ask people because then we will be deflated beforehand. So <laughs> it was best to just do it. I'm glad you didn't blow anything up. Um, it was all good. <laughs> what is it like to blow glass? Like how I've seen it, you know, video. I think it's fascinating. Is it, is it dangerous? Is it, I I assume it's hot, you know, what is it like and what do you use to do that?
1: Okay. So it's, it's absolutely magical. And, you know, the first time I tried it, I was absolutely hooked. I was infuriated because it's, you know, people that do glass blowing make it look so easy because obviously they've put all the time and effort in and they've, you know, they've honed their skill and they make it look really, really easy. So the first thing for me was getting over that initial frustration of like being able to just literally gather some glass neatly on the end of a blowing iron. So that was the first part for me. But ultimately, it was just the fact that you could create something from start to finish and and really see that whole process unfold in front of your eyes. Whereas if you do ceramics, you tend to make something, it has to go in the kiln and then it cools down and then you see what it looks like. And the glass that I do now, the fused glass, that's very much you do it cold, you heat it up, and then you've got your product. Whereas with blown glass, it's completely the opposite. So having done my degree, I um, set up a glass blowing studio in the UK with my partner, and we created a business together. And we took that business to the Netherlands, the glass-blown business. We got married. I had two boys. But sadly, in 2013, the marriage broke down. So I came back to the UK with my two boys and he stayed in the Netherlands with all the glassblown equipment. So it was then that I thought, you know, I, I really still really, really want to work with glass, but how am I going to do that? And anybody who knows about glass blown, it, it, it's you know, it's quite an expensive business to be running. You've got all the the raw materials and the gas and the electric bill and things like that. So be able to still access glass and to still be able to create quite quickly I turned back to Fuse Glass and so mm-hmm. that's when I, I started seven years ago back in the UK creating Fuse Glass so it's been a kind of journey I started with Fuse Glass went to blowing I'm back at Fuse Glass but at the moment we're building a blowing studio so I'll be back mm-hmm. to blowing again.
0: <laughs> oh nice so what do you do as a business in in blown glass first is it more to teach people is that more the business or do you create things and sell them okay so at
1: the moment I don't have a blown glass business Mm -hmm. because that I'm in the process of building that up but when I did have that it was doing demonstrations to the public so they could see how things were created working on commissions So Mm people come along and ask for something to be specifically made For them so it's completely unique to them and then there would be production items which would range anything from Christmas baubles to tumblers
0: to wine glasses things like that so there's a whole variety. Oh so you can make I'm only thinking balls (laughs) so so what can you make from blown glass pretty much anything?
1: Uh, Vases lampshades wine bottles um (laughs) martini glasses wine glasses champagne flutes you can blow so many different things: decanters, you know, jars. There are so many different things that you can actually blow into a form. And then, obviously, you've got the more sculptural things. Like, obviously, Dale Chihuly is probably one of the world's best-known glass blowers. You know, think of the, all the art sculptures that he creates. So, not only can you create functional pieces, but you can create works of art as well. So, there's so many different things you can create with blown glass.
0: Wow, so it's not just getting the technique of a sphere. I guess you can actually get the develop the technique of all different shapes. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and then you have to like make six of them if you want. <laughs> this is blowing my mind right now. You, so you—that's definitely the skill as you're going further and further. You're making, I guess, just like ceramics. You're you're making a set. You can control the shape that you're blowing. Yeah. and Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean to start off with you start with something simple because it's like anything you come to it and you you know you just think oh yeah this is going to be good and you get to do it and you realize actually it's a lot more difficult than you first thought so it is all about that practice so you know each time you produce something it, you're refining it. it it's a bit like a piano player would practice you know the first time they try the scales the fingers are all over the place but you know after a while by the time you've reached grade eight you're really proficient and you know it, just runs off the fingers so to speak and it's similar with the glass making the more that you do it the more proficient you are and then better yeah
0: right that's what I love about creativity is we can really keep going in almost any field we can push ourselves to learn something else you know, and create either functional or more artistic pieces. Absolutely. So I, I gather you kind of miss glass blowing as you're building a new studio. To yeah, do it absolutely. It was
1: never the intention that I wouldn't be doing it for so long. It's it's just the way things have worked out. You know, given the choice to I put put a deposit down on a house for us, or do I? build a glassblowing studio the house was always going to win so you know <laughs> that's what we went for we went for the house so that's sorted now and now it's okay now we can focus on building the glassblowing studio and the, and the boys are also that little bit older now so they'll appreciate and I can get them to come in and help and you know they'll they're keen uh, to be doing it as well so that's that's the fun of it that they'll be able to do stuff as well
0: Oh, very cool. So let's go back a little bit. Why did you go to art school? What were you, what passion did you have in high school that sort of moved you into the creative field in the first place? Well,
1: I wanted to be a cake decorator. You've <laughs>
0: <But laughs> <we've laughs> moved really
1: far <laughs> down different paths, haven't you? Well, I guess it's always been quite creative because it was like hairdresser, window dresser. You know, it, it, it had some element of design in it you know architect so that all of it has had some creative thing I I did have a world moment where I wanted to go and do a degree in history but that's you know that soon vanished luckily (laughs) but you know I think that's that's the furthest I've ever gone away from actually doing something with my hands because at the end of the day that's what it's all about you know I do love Mm -hmm. working with my hands you know I, I like to do precious metal clay you know you can roll that out you turn it into silver so it's like a clay form, and you can manipulate it in the same way as that you you would manipulate clay it's just that you fire that in a kiln and it turns into silver so I you know for fun I like to do that so I always I've always liked to do something with my hands and I think that's you know I think if you're creative in that way you always like to be busy with your hands you know whether that's painting in ceramics or whatever you just like to be busy with your hands yeah
0: but I think it's an interesting idea some people don't go to art school and I've talked to a few who have gone to art school and they have found creativities at art school that they probably wouldn't have if they hadn't just because of the resources that the universities have Mm -hmm. you know Perhaps I, I actually found a glass bowl in place near my house. So I've I've convinced the neighbor to come with me We're to see in. Me and figure it out. We're but in. other than that, it, it you know, there's a lot of unfortunately creativities that cost a lot of money. Yeah. So you might not figure you might not have the resources to do it so th- what did you try out how many different things did you try out at university okay um, so to find
1: you're absolutely right because I would never have been able to you know try and put glass into a plaster mold if it hadn't been for university I would not have yeah. um, tried glass blowing if it hadn't been for some kind of um, university or college so it's true you know that these kind of I guess, courses allow us to, to almost dabble in different areas so that we can get a flavour. The course that I did at Sunderland, it was um, a so I could do ceramics and you could try various types of ceramics. So from thrown pots to raccoon firing, we then tried the kiln glass. We did a pat de verre technique, which is where it's like crushed up fine pieces of glass put into a mould. We did the, the glass blowing. Like I said, we did stained glass as well. So if it hadn't been for that opportunity to go to university and college, I wouldn't have experienced it, and I probably wouldn't have even had my eyes open to that kind of thing because mm-hmm. they're definitely not things that people talk about every day. I know more recently with programs like Blown Away, it's raising the profile of glass blowing, and I know in the UK we've got the Great British Throwdown um, raising the profile of ceramics, but otherwise, a, a lot of the kind of craft based sort of disciplines aren't really talked about in schools very much anymore certainly still very much moving towards more academic subjects like you know going off to do history Um, so you can use that to be a teacher or I don't know librarian or whatever they choose to do with those types of degrees so it was very important that I was able to access that at college and at university so I, I could just literally get that taster of each little discipline I mean, when I was at college, we were allowed to try out textile designs and three-dimensional design and computer-aided design and, you know, so many different things that, you know, if you just went to school, you wouldn't have had access to that.
0: Right. Right. I think it's really important that we understand as a society that there are some people created to be teachers and some people created to make art. And if we're forced to be teachers... We aren't going to be very good at it. No. <laughs> we'll be like, get out your crayons, who cares? About Unless history? we're an art teacher and
1: that's different because, you know, <laughs> that, that's completely different. But yeah, I totally understand it. It's like my two boys, they're far more l- like I am. They like to work with their hands. They're academic, but they prefer to work with their hands. So actually, mm-hmm. at the moment, they're both really struggling because it's very, very academic based. Um, I think the youngest gets art once every two three weeks if he's lucky and the eldest doesn't get any
0: I find that so weird that we've done that
1: yeah it's such
0: a shame it's all
1: it's the same with music though as well music's down there now at the lower end of the curriculum it's not seen as important whereas you know if that's you know if you've got a child whose only interest and only passion is music and they're perhaps having access to a music lesson once every three weeks or once a month or you know like I say with my eldest because he didn't choose it as an option to focus on he doesn't get any access to that as part of his curriculum so yeah you know it, it, I find it very limiting
0: yeah which is weird because the studies show that doing creativity and working with your hands even if you are an academic yeah really helps your brain so we have like the adult's Trying to do team building with the creativity because it helps them, you know. And yet, we still it takes forever for us to get back to school and be like, Oh, maybe it will help our kids. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, it's
1: so bonkers! Is it?
0: Yeah, so back to front. Yeah. And it is. And it used to be like a well rounding thing, you know, it used to be like learning to draw and learning the aesthetics, learning music, having a well rounded academic, yeah. but. Well, we could go off on that. <laughs> <laughs> we could, yeah. <laughs> so right, right now you make quite a few different things. I mean, what is it that you enjoy the most? I and mean, you have like, I'll, I'm looking at your shop as we <laughs> as we talk. So the thing you make jewelry, yeah. you make tons of stuff.
1: Yeah, the the thing that I really love doing is you saw Reggie earlier. Um, so I had Reggie a couple of years ago, and he's like. He's King Reg. The whole whole world revolves around what Reg is doing. You know, he's like a, a third child almost. And you know, what time does Reg need feeding? What time does Reg need to go? Can't say that too loud because he'll go mad. A perambulation, <laughs> we'll say that. You know, so everything revolves around him. And I decided I'd love to capture him in glass. So I created a pet portrait of him. Um, and since then, I've obviously developed it more so that now I'm offering it to other people that they can come and basically send me their pet portrait and I'll capture their pet in glass so that's what I'm I'm absolutely loving doing that at the moment
0: <laughs> yeah oh my gosh I'm trying to find oh my gosh okay I found it so yeah I found it on your website
1: yeah so that's what I'm absolutely loving doing and I've also had a few commemorative pieces so when the people have had their pets cremated I've used the ashes and incorporated that into the work so that they've got their commemorative piece for their pet in in that portrait as well so that's a a nice little touch for people
0: yeah it is I'm looking at this oh my gosh (laughs) this is so cool this is all glass yeah yeah it's all glass
1: yeah and that's that uses more of a, a, a painterly technique you know, it's going back to more of the kind of the fine art side of things where it's more like um, an actual representation of like the animal. So it looks more like the animal rather than some of the pieces are a little more abstract, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. Oh, what a, this is very cool. It's very unique. And then all you have to do is put it in a frame. Yes. The, yes. Wow. I like that. Thank you. I really love that. Yes. Now I'm just gonna look at all your stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you! So, yeah, that's that's what I absolutely love doing. It's, um, you know, because I'm I'm mad about Reggie, and you know, I, and I love animals, and I always have, and it's a real pleasure to, you know, help somebody commemorate their beloved pet or you know yeah. just bring a bit of fun to the wall because they want something created and they you know they've still got their pet and they just want to add and something quirky to the wall so that you know I like to be able to do that as well and bring some you know humor in in the form of a, a pet portrait.
0: Yeah that's a really great idea you. and you have that you have a lot of jewelry yeah. things is is jewelry is that more because that's a little easier to sell? Or do you actually, do you have a passion for jewellery as well? Well,
1: that goes kind of back to me uh, originally going off to do silversmithing. So I was originally going oh, okay. to go and do jewellery. So when I was pregnant with my eldest some 16 years ago now, I wanted to still be able to work, but obviously I couldn't go in glass blowing right at the very end. So it's okay. like, like, I need to do something. I'm going to go nuts, just sat here at home. <laughs> so I set myself up a, a, a small area um in a, in a little schuur. we lived in Holland so it was a little schreuer, tiny little shed area and I just started creating in there and obviously the smallest thing I could create in a small kiln, kiln was jewellery so I started doing the jewellery then um and I've just carried on because I, I find it fun to do and it's something that you know you know, not everybody wants a silver or gold necklace. Sometimes people want something fun and quirky just to go with an outfit just for a one-off or they just want something that they can actually say, like, I want it blue and I want it green and I want it sending to Dawn or whoever. Um, and I can help them with that. And it just means, you know, it, it offers people a more personalised experience as well.
0: Yeah, this uh, um, this pink one is gorgeous. <laughs> so- So this is Ellie Elephant. This is just like the most adorable (laughs) little elephant I've ever seen. So is this all glass? Like how do you make those colours? So um, it's actually supplied in
1: the colour. There's a supplier where you buy it from and they come coloured. And then it's a case of you mixing the colours together to get the shade and the tone and different things that you want in there. Um, The jewellery is made from dichroic glass. So that's got a, that's got a special coating on it that allows it to sort of um, transmit different colors so that it looks like it's actually changing color as you wear it which is really nice and gives it that I guess it gives it that sparkle and that extra jewelry quality to it whereas the things like the elephant they're just flat uh, flat tones and then it's a case of mixing the tones together to get the color that you want.
0: Wow. There's a lot more that goes into it than than we than we realize. Wow, this is very cool. Well, I I will definitely have the links there for people to look at your website. You. So how has the how have things gone with COVID in the creativity world? It hasn't always been that great. I guess you work at home already, so that wasn't a big
1: no. Change. No, for me it didn't have an impact in terms of obviously we couldn't do face-to-face events a lot of the handmade people couldn't do face-to-face events attend trade shows if they normally attended trade shows give demonstrations in public and things like that so I've always had my she shed as I lovingly call her and that's where I create all, uh, all of my work so I've always worked from home Um I've not done demonstrations to the public so I wasn't affected by that the workshops that I had booked They've just been moved to this year, but I'm actually um, stopping the workshops as the ones that are booked in are going to carry on. But I'm going to stop the workshops because I want to focus on getting the glassblown studio built. But the main thing for me was I've always sold using mainly Facebook, even over my own website, because I found that using Facebook and Facebook events really generated me far more leads and sales than attending a sporadic craft fairs ever could and if you've ever t- attended a craft fair you'll know it can be so such a lot of work you know you're getting up at maybe five o'clock in the morning to pack the car to then travel to the craft fair to then set up then stand all day speaking to the public to then pack up to come home again let alone all the stock that you need to create so it can quite often be a really lengthy process just before you've even got to the craft fair and because when I came back to the UK the boys were only seven and five I didn't really want to leave them with my parents every weekend you know being a single mom, I thought I can't do that you know they're going to school all week I need to see them at the weekend so I thought well I need to find another way to sell and sort of like Etsy and 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 sort of the places like that didn't really appeal to me because well one the profit that they took in commission obviously they they have to earn their money so they need to take the commission but that was quite high and also knowing all about the tagging and the seo and everything that was like oh that's far too complicated and then you know i didn't at the time i didn't have a website obviously i've got one now but i didn't at the time so i just thought you know how can i sell my items without having to leave the house and so i thought you know Why don't I use Facebook? I'm on there, I'm active. Why not just use that as my selling platform? So I created um, my Facebook page and I used Facebook events primarily to bring my audience to me so that I could sell to them directly. And it was all done from the comfort of my home, all done from the comfort of their home. And, and, you know, everybody had a, a fabulous time because it was just so super easy. So when we went into lockdown... I was seeing a lot in the Facebook groups for crafters um, and artists and things like that you know they were just crying out for help because they just didn't know what to do they'd had all events cancelled obviously because it went you know completely locked down and they just didn't have a clue because they'd not sold online a lot of them before or they'd they kind of doubled if you know what I mean they, they'd do a bits and pieces but they hadn't got anything nailed so I just thought, well, I've been using this for years successfully to bring all my leads and sales in, you know, I'm going to create something so I can help them. So I put together a four week program for them to join me on. And, you know, the results from that, you know, like one lady said, you've stopped me from going under because by doing this program, it's helped me learn a completely different way of using my social media to generate my sales. And it's also meant that I can keep my business going so that when we do come out the other side, I've got a business to take back out. And the beauty of it is she's now got a choice. She can do the craft fairs if she wants to, but she can definitely do the online sales because that's not going anywhere.
0: That's so true. It's funny how we we find one route sometimes and then we don't look elsewhere well and it kind of depends on what generation we are right so the younger generation just automatically goes online Mm -hmm. and maybe the older generation is like I really prefer the craft fairs and who was going to predict well that's it that's it (laughs) that this would like happen you know you might think well maybe I'll break my leg and won't be able to go but nobody would say the whole world will shut down and nobody will go so what do you mean when you say Facebook events
1: so if you've ever seen on a a page or on a personal profile you can create an event so you use that sort of declare your Facebook and you literally create an event so what you're doing is you're you're basically taking an event and creating your own craft fair i guess the only difference is the only products for sale are your own so that's the beauty because you're not you know with the best will in the world it's great to go to a craft fair but there is if there are six other the glass makers there you know it's like oh six of the glass makers great i've got i've got competition from everybody else and these five or six of their glass makers whereas if you're hosting your very own f- Facebook event, the only person they're going to come to see is you. And they're going, right. and you know that they're interested because they're bothering to tune in. Whereas a lot of the time with a craft fair or, you know, events like that, people are quite often just they just want a day out and they're looking for something to do. They're not necessarily looking to go and buy a piece of glass you know they might see something and on a whim they might buy something but nine times out of ten they're just looking for something to do for the afternoon um I don't know what it's like over there but most craft fairs are free so they don't you know you're not necessarily attracting your dream clients anyway and you're very much reliant on the marketing of the organization of that craft fair or that craft event or whatever you're attending whereas if you're hosting your very own Facebook event you're 100% in control of how you market that and you're in control of how much footfall in terms of viewers are going to attend your event so it is very much your success is very much in your own hands and what you do and what you get out at the end of that event is very much up to you and how much you put into that event in the first place so it's far more in your control than perhaps if you went to I don't know a a craft event that was perhaps 30 miles away and you're just hoping that they've done all the marketing that needs to be done to get the people through the door
0: that's true some of the affairs over here the vendors have to pay to get in yeah yeah you know and you and then you have to buy a table I went to one and I did enjoy it. Like I liked talking to people, mm. but I noticed that a lot of businesses use it as a great opportunity to give away free propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. And so half of the people are going around trying to get the free pens yeah. Yeah. and squishy balls. Yeah. And then they get to your table and they're like, $12. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, What? This is a crap fair. Yeah. So I like weird. to call them crap fairs in all honesty
1: sorry for the language but you know there's a lot of that goes on over here that's not a lot of them if they're not heavily vetted so to speak there's a lot of people that get in there and it's not handmade it's been bought in and then it's being sold as handmade or it's you know you'll end up with a few mlm businesses there as well nothing against mlm there's nothing against that at all but they don't belong in a craft fair so it, it it it's difficult and then when you are paying for your stall as a vendor as well like you say so you're paying for your stall all your insurances that you need to be present there you know all the stock that you make you don't have a clue what you're going to have to you know what's going to sell well and what's not going to sell well you might have an inkling but nine times out of ten you haven't got that one thing that everybody wants and you haven't got enough for them whereas if you're doing Facebook events you literally just need one of everything that you want to sell that's true so you're saving yourself time and money and effort in 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 what you're producing so it's just it just flips everything completely on its head you know and when I've had people come on my program and they that you know they'll do the first event and in 45 minutes they're making 500 pounds in 45 minutes and, you know, they're saying to me, I don't even get that in a month of doing craft fairs. It 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 completely, you know, it completely shows you what a difference it can make to using uh, Facebook events to your advantage rather than, you know, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to craft fairs because I've done them myself. I just know that the money's in
0: the online rather than
1: doing the face-to-face event.
0: Yes. It, I really like how you you found a need And you didn't sort of hoard it for yourself and say, well, I'll do all this. (laughs) So I've been trying to talk a little bit on the podcast about collaborating with other artists. And yeah, and getting into those groups, Mm -hmm. I think is really, really valuable because you, when you get stuck, like a lot of these other crafters were. And thankfully you came around, but they were, they were just stuck. And sometimes You know, last year was so stressful, your creativity just stops. Yeah. Yeah. You need somebody to come in and say, This worked for me. I'll teach you how to do it. Absolutely. So, how many, how many different workshops have you done with other artists?
1: Okay, so I've I've helped around 65 businesses so far. Wow. I do a I did a sort of kickstart your social selling. So that was 12 quick steps to getting going on social selling. I do a a four week program so they spend four weeks um and we go through you know deep diving into each particular section so that they've got everything nailed so they can go out with confidence and carry on with it and then i also run um now well it's now going into a 12 month program that people can come and work with me for 12 months so we don't don't just look at facebook and facebook events but we look at all the other areas that you need in a creative business to keep you successful keep you going and just keep you fresh so that you can well so that you've still got that joy in your business so because I don't know about you that sometimes the business side of it overtakes the the joyful side so that yes, then it yes. becomes less joyful because it's such a strain so it's um, working together on that and you know mentoring them and it's a great community because they're with other like-minded businesses and you were saying about collaboration. Well, the majority of the people who work with me are actually glassmakers because, you know, I don't see it as competition. I see it as, you know, we're all, we've are all we all got our own market and there are so many people in the world. There's, what, 2.5 billion people on Facebook. Not everybody's going to want to buy glass from me. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite happy to share my audience and and help because for me, it's all about the ripple effect. If I can help somebody help themselves, and that then ripples out to them helping somebody else that you know that that makes my day to think that you know I've had an impact and helped somebody you know make some money so that that they can still be creative I mean that brings tears to my eyes if I think about it too much because it's just amazing because that's that's all I want is for creative people to be able to keep creating Put the money in the bank so that they can keep going and they don't have to go and get a job in places like, well, the local supermarket and things like that. They can do what they're absolutely passionate about.
0: Yes, I I think that is something that we have to take really seriously as creatives because the more you help the other person, the more A, the world's going to see that they need us. (laughs) And maybe the high schools will start seeing that they need us. But the, you know, we, Yeah, we can't do everything. You can't be the only glassmaker. I can't be the only writer. We need (laughs) other people and we need other people to help us brainstorm things because like you said, we get stuck. So did you ever think that you might become a business, a creative business coach? I guess you might be or teacher. (laughs) You've gone back to teacher now.
1: No, I didn't to be honest. But you know, it kind of got to stage it's
0: like, well, it'd be
1: wrong not to, if that makes sense. It's like, you know. I can't sit back and watch these people not be able to help themselves, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. it was, for me, it was kind of like, you know, it's a perfect opportunity to help people and help them help themselves. And if I don't do it, how would I feel? Well, I'd feel pretty pants if I didn't actually, you know, (laughs) help them. So it was like, yeah, this is a perfect opportunity. They're crying out for help let's put it out there and initially I thought oh they won't really be interested I'll just see what happens (laughs) that's like ah okay so all these people messaging can I come on your workshop please I'm like okay so I think I did about five or six just introductory workshops to start with and I thought okay I need to do something that's not just an introductory 90 minutes and that's when I turned it into like a four-week program and now into the 12-month sort of program where they can work with me and um, for a full 12 months so it's uh it's quite funny how it started off as just a little 90 minute workshop and then there were so many people you know sort of messaging me for help and saying oh really I really want to do this when's the next one I'm like right okay
0: <laughs> it, it goes back to kind of like you never know you always think that everyone knows what you know yes. you know you've kind yeah. of built your business yeah. you're like how do you not know this but the truth is we it's impossible to know everything yeah. and so when you yeah you put it out there and people are like, of course, I need to know this. So please teach me. Yeah,
1: I thought I—I thought everybody knew this. But it definitely is, you know, you don't know what other people don't know. And the only way to find out is by putting it out there saying, I'm thinking of doing this. Would you like to join me? And then you get hundreds of messages. I'm like, OK. Fair
0: enough. OK, now I'll, I'll put it together in just a second. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> so are your classes full or can you can people still find you if they're if they're thinking "Hmm, maybe i need to learn about facebook events
1: absolutely so you can always find me on facebook emma kirkham glass i'm always there they can everybody can always message me i'm always happy to help i've got a a live round of the four-week program coming up very shortly so people can join in on the live round and if they don't join the live round they can still join the program and still have me helping them. It's just that we don't go through everything live. It's just an recorded video, so it just depends what. um But I actually like the live rounds. But some people actually intend to come to the live rounds, but they just watch the recordings because they just want to whiz through. Uh, you know, like those people who like to listen to people on super speed. <laughs> I, I, I've heard of these people. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, I have been guilty of doing it with a couple of technical things because it's like I just I, I move. I'll just speed it up quick and it's like right let's get to the end it's like okay no, that's it so yeah but it's no it's perfect you can join any and obviously the 12 month mem- membership for the mentoring that's open at any time so they can join at absolutely any time that's um that's perfect and the 12 steps as well they can join that at any time and watch the recordings so yeah I'm open all the time to help people
0: Oh, that's so cool. I will definitely have the links in the show notes. I'll have um, the links to your website, the links to your Facebook site. And I really encourage anyone, even if maybe they shut down their creativity business during COVID because they didn't, they didn't know Emma and they didn't know what to do. Maybe check it out and see if there's a possibility to reopen. And if you know stuff out there. Yes put it out on your Facebook and see if anybody needs to Absolutely. know.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you might, you might be sitting there thinking, I don't know. I don't know how I can do something, but actually if you just put it out there and ask people if they need help with that particular thing that you're good at, you might be surprised at how many people message you and say, yes, help me, please. I need to know that. That's,
0: that is so true. That is so true. Well, very cool. I'm so glad that you came on. Once I do my glass blowing, I'm going to message oh, you yeah, and see how I tell you how many, how many balls I break.
1: <laughs> You'll be really good. You'll be really good. I'm very excited that you've got somebody near you. That's the exciting
0: thing. Yeah, it's not too far. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited that creativity is coming back. And even if I have to pay a lot for it I'll be I'll be there that's what I like to do yeah. it's time for mama to go out and do art classes well that's
1: it and I think the, the good thing is like you say creativity is so good for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's so good for yeah. you It's and, and I think people underestimate until people get into it I think they underestimate the power of it if you know what I mean yes you know for people who yes. are sitting there thinking oh you know I'm not creative I can't can't do anything creative until they're actually find something that sparks them everybody's creative it's just finding that something and giving it a whirl and then realizing actually I'm really creative and I enjoy doing this
0: that's a beautiful way to end this everyone is creative you just have to go find the thing that sparks you thank you so much Emma for coming on the show thank
1: you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure
0: Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.